Chapter Twenty One of Agnes Sorrel by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty One. In the courtyard of the Chateau of Beauté, a long but somewhat narrow parallelogram, were assembled most of the male members of the Duke of Orleans's household, two days after the return of Jean Charost from Blois. Some were on horseback and some on foot and nine or ten of the younger men were armed with a long ash staff shaped somewhat like a lance while the rest of the party were in their ordinary riding dresses with no arms but the customary sword and dagger all these were gathered together at one end of the court while a trumpeter holding his trumpet with its bell-shaped mouth leaning on his hip was placed a little in advance at the other end of the court stood a column of wood perhaps six feet in height surmounted by a grotesque-looking carved image representing the upper part of a man with both arms extended and a long heavy cudgel in each hand after a moment's pause and a consultation among the elder heads one of the inferior servants was sent forward for purposes that will speedily be shown to act as what was called master of the quintain but he took care to place himself beyond the sweep of the cudgel in the hand of the image so called the sport about to begin was of very ancient date and had been generally superseded by somewhat more graceful exercises but the duke of orleans was very fond of old customs and had revived many chivalrous sports which had fallen out of use at a signal from monsieur blaise who was on foot the trumpeter put his instrument of noise to his lips and blew a blast which well understood ranged the young cavaliers instantly in line and then after a moment's pause sounded a charge one of the party instantly sprung forward lance in rest toward the quintain aiming directly at the centre of the head of the figure he was quite a young lad and his arm not very steady so he somewhat missed his mark and struck the figure on the cheek moving on a pivot the quintain whirled round under the blow with the arms still extended and as the horse carried the youth on he must have received a tremendous stroke from the wooden cudgel on his back had he not bent down to his horse's neck so that the blow passed over him some laughed but juvenel de royen who was the next but one to follow exclaimed aloud that's not fair quite fair i think replied jean charost who was near what do you know about it cried the other impetuously keep yourself to pens and things you understand i may perhaps understand it better than you monsieur de royen replied jean charost quite calmly it is the favourite game at bourges and we consider that the next best point to hitting the quintain straight is to avoid the blow that's the coward's point i suppose said juvenel de royen hush hush cried monsieur blaise silence sir sound again trumpet another ran his course struck the quintain better but did not dismount it and de royen succeeded striking the figure right in the middle of the forehead and shaking the whole post but still leaving the wooden image standing the great feat of the game was not only to aim the spear so fair as to avoid turning the figure in the least but so low that the least raising of the point at the same time threw it backward from its pivot 
and this was a somewhat dangerous manoeuvre for the chest of the image being quite flat and unmarked by any central point the least deviation to the right or left swung round one of the cudgels with tremendous force and the young gentleman did not venture to attempt it jean charost however who as a mere boy had been trained to the exercise by his father aimed right at the breast but he paid for his temerity by a severe blow which called forth a shout of laughter from de royen and his companions others followed who fared as badly without daring as much each time the quintain was moved the servant who had been sent forward readjusted it with the greatest care and when each of the young men had run his course the troop commenced again the rivalry between de royen and de bracy was by this time a well understood thing in the chateau and little heed was paid to the running of the rest till it came to the turn of the former he then with a sort of mock courtesy besought jean charost to take his turn saying you are the superior officer sir and to say truth i would fain learn that dexterous trick of yours if you venture upon it again i certainly shall replied jean charost and i shall be happy to teach you that or better things i will run first the quintain is not straight he continued calling to the master of the quintain advance the right arm an inch there was some little dispute as to whether the quintain was straight or not but in the end the trumpet again sounded jean charost with a better aim hit the figure in the middle of the chest and raising his arm slightly at the same instant threw it back upon the ground then wheeling his horse while the servant replaced it he returned to his post but no one said well done except old monsieur blaise and juvenel de royen bit his lip with a red spot on his cheek rash confident and angry he took no pains to see that the figure was exactly straight but dashed forward when the trumpet sounded resolved not to be outdone aiming directly at the chest whether his horse swerved or the figure was not well adjusted i do not know but he hit it considerably to the right of the centre and as he was carried forward the merciless cudgel struck him a blow on the back of the neck which hurled him out of the saddle to the ground jean charost did not laugh but he could not refrain from a smile which caught de Doyen's eyes as he led his horse back again the latter was dizzy and confused however and for a moment after he had given his horse to a servant he stood gnawing his lip without uttering a word to any one at length as the others were running their course however he walked up to the side of jean charost who was now a little apart from the rest and some quick words and meaning glances were seen to pass between them their voices grew louder de royen touched the hilt of his sword and jean charost nodded his head saying something in a low tone for shame for shame said monsieur blaise approaching but ere he could add more a casement just above their heads opened and the voice of the duke of orleans was heard juvenal de royen he said have you any inclination for a dungeon there are cells to fit you under the castle and as i live you shall enjoy one if you broil in my household i know you sir so be warned de bracy come here i want you jean charost immediately dismounted gave his horse to martin grille and ascended to the gallery from which the duke of orleans had been watching the sports of the morning 
it was a large room communicating by a door in the midst and a small vestibule with that famous picture gallery which has been already mentioned voices were heard talking beyond but the duke after his young secretary's arrival continued for a few minutes walking up and down the same chamber in which jean charost found him leaning lightly on his arm i know not how it is my young friend he said in a sort of musing tone but the people here are clearly not very fond of you however i insist that you take no notice whatever of that peevish boy de royen i am most willing sir said jean charost to live at peace with him and every one else provided they will leave me at peace likewise i have given neither him nor them any matter for offence and yet i will acknowledge that since my first entrance into your highness's household i have met with little but enmity from any but good monsieur blaise and signor lomelini who are both i believe my friends the duke mused very gravely and then replied i know not how it is to me it seems that there is nothing in your demeanour and conduct but that which should inspire kindness and even respect and yet he continued after a moment's pause his face brightening with a gay intelligent smile not uncommon upon it when that acuteness which formed one point in his very varied character was aroused by some accidental circumstance from the slumber into which it sometimes fell and yet i am a fool to say i do not know how it is i do know right well my young friend men of power and station do not enough consider that all who surround them are more or less engaged in a race whose rivalry necessarily deviates into enmity and their favour whenever it is given is followed by the ill-will of many toward the single possessor the more just and the more generous of the competitors content themselves with what they can obtain or at all events do not deny some portion of merit to a more fortunate rival but the baser and the meaner spirits and they are the most numerous not only envy but hate not only hate but calumniate i am most grateful sir for all your kindness toward me replied jean charost but i cannot at all attribute the enmity of m de royen or any of the rest to jealousy of your favour for from the moment i entered your household it was the same oil and water do not easily mix answered the duke the qualities for which i esteem you make them hate you not that your character and mine are at all alike very very different but there be some substances which though most opposite to others easily mingle with them others which with more apparent similarity are totally repugnant your feelings are not my feelings your thoughts are not my thoughts yet i can comprehend and appreciate you these men cannot i am afraid sir said jean charost that i owe your good opinion more to a prepossession in my favour than to any meritorious acts of my own for indeed i have had no opportunity of serving you yes you have greatly replied the duke not perhaps by acts but by words which prove often the greatest services he who influences a man's mind de bracy affects him more than he who influences his mere earthly fortunes i have often thought he continued in a musing tone that we are never sufficiently grateful to those by whose writings by whose example by whose speech our hearts our feelings or our reason have been formed and perfected the mind has a fortune as well as the body 
and the latter is inferior to the former but set your mind at rest they cannot affect my opinion toward you there is but one thing which has puzzled me a little this child which they tell me has been placed by you at one of the cottages hard by i would fain know who are its parents on that subject i can tell your highness nothing replied jean charost but the whole history as far as i can give it i will give hush said the duke looking toward the picture gallery the door from which was opened by the duchess at that moment there is nothing sir that i am afraid or ashamed to tell before the duchess replied jean charost the case may be strange but as far as it affects me it is a very simple one well then said the duke turning to the duchess who was advancing slowly and somewhat timidly you shall speak on and your narrative shall be our morning's amusement his whole air changed in a moment and with a gay and sparkling look he said to the duchess come hither my sweet wife and assist at the trial of this young offender he is charged before me of preaching rather than practising of frowning like a franciscan on all the lighter offences of love and yet what think you i am told he has a fair young lady who has followed him hither and is boarded by him in one of the cottages just below the castle when i do believe that were i but to give a glance at any pretty maiden i should have as sour a look as antique abbess ever gave to a wavering nun the duchess looked in jean charost's face for an instant and then said i'll be his surety sir that the tale is false not so indeed your highness replied jean charost the tale is mostly true but the duke should have added that this fair maid cannot be three months old worse and worse cried the duke you cannot escape penance for one sin my friend by pleading a still greater one but tell us how all this happened let us hear your defence it is a plain and true one sir replied jean charost the very morning after our arrival here i rode out for exercise accompanied only by my lackey martin grille in a wood perhaps four miles distant we saw the smoke of a fire rising up not far from the road my man is city-born and full of city fears he fancied that every tree concealed a plunderer and though he did not infect me with his apprehensions he excited my curiosity about the fire so judging that a fire must have had some one to light it said the duke you went to see that much has been told in every nook of the house from the garret to the guest-chamber what happened next i tracked the marks of horses feet said jean charost from the road through the wood some hundred yards into the bushes catching the smoke still rising blue among the dark brown trees and of course appearing nearer as i went i heard people talking loud too and therefore fancied that i could get still nearer without being seen but suddenly two men who were lying hid hard by the path i had taken started out and seized me crying here is a spy a spy a number of others rushed up shouting and swearing and i was soon dragged on to the spot where the fire was lighted which was a small open space beneath an old beech tree there i found some three or four others lying in the snow all fully armed but one horses were standing tied around a lance was here and there leaning against trees and battle-axes and maces were at many a saddle-bow but i must say that the harness was somewhat rusty 
and the faces of my new acquaintances not very clean or trim the one who was unarmed and who i supposed was a prisoner like myself stood before the fire with his arms crossed on his chest he was a tall man of middle age with his hair very grey somewhat plainly dressed but with an air of stern grave dignity not easily forgotten had he no arms at all asked the duke none whatever sir replied jean charost not even sword or dagger one large bulky man lying as quietly on the snow as if it had been a bed of down had his feet to the fire and resting between them i saw to my surprise a young child well wrapped up with nothing but the face peeping out and sleeping soundly on a bed of pine branches i should weary your highness with all that happened at first it seemed that they would take my life vowing that i had come to spy out their movements then they would have had me go with them and make one of their band giving me the choice of that or death as i chose the latter they were about to give it me without much ceremony when the unarmed man interfered in a tone of authority i had not expected to hear him use he commanded them in short to desist and after whispering for a moment or two with the bulky man i have mentioned he pointed to the child and told me that if i would swear most solemnly to guard and protect her to be a father to her and to see that she was nourished and educated in innocence and truth they would let me go did you know the man asked the duke of orleans with a look of more interest than he had before displayed no sir replied the young secretary a faint faint recollection of having somewhere seen a face like his i assuredly did feel but he certainly seemed to know me spoke of me as one attached to your highness and asked how long i had left paris his words were wild and whirling indeed a few sentences he would speak correctly enough but they seemed forced from him as if with pain straining his eye upon the fire or upon the ground and falling into silence again as soon as they were uttered was he some merchant perhaps asked the duke some one who has had dealings with our friend jacques coeur he was no merchant sir said jean charost but i think if ever i did see him before it must have been with jacques coeur for he had dealings with many men of high degree and i doubt not that this person however plain his garb and strange his demeanour is a man of noble blood and a high name the young man paused as if there were more to be said which he hesitated to utter and then after giving a somewhat anxious glance toward the duchess he added i may remember more incidents hereafter sir which i will not fail to tell you did he give you no sign or token with this child asked the duke by which one may trace her family and history did he tell you nothing of her parents he said he was not her father replied jean charost gravely but that was all the information he afforded he gave me this ring too continued the young man producing one and a purse of gold pieces to pay for her nourishment the duke took the ring and examined it carefully but it was merely a plain gold circle without any distinctive mark nevertheless jean charost thought his master's hand shook a little as he held the ring and the duchess who was looking over her husband's shoulder said it is a strange story pray tell me monsieur de bracy was this gentleman the same who spoke to you at the inn door upon the road the same madam replied jean charost who was he did you ever see him before asked the duke turning towards his wife 
with an eager look never answered the duchess but he was a very singular and distinguished-looking man he was a gentleman assuredly and i should think a soldier for he had a deep scar upon his forehead which cut straight through the right eyebrow the duke returned the ring to jean charost in silence but the moment after he turned so deadly pale that the duchess exclaimed you are ill my lord you have exerted yourself too much to-day you forget your late sickness and how weak you are no no replied the duke i feel somewhat faint it will pass in a minute let us go into the picture gallery i will sit down there in the sunshine without reply the duchess put her arm through his and led him onward to the gallery making a sign for jean charost to follow and the duke seating himself in a large chair gazed over the walls still marked by a lighter colour here and there where a picture had lately hung those walls must be cleaned he said at length though i doubt if the traces can be obliterated oh yes answered the duchess in a tone of sportive tenderness there is no trace of any man's acts which cannot be effaced either by his own deeds or his friend's efforts or his god's forgiveness she spoke to his thoughts rather than to his words and the duke took her hand and pressed his lips upon it then turning to jean charost he pointed to the picture of the duchess saying is not that one worthy to remain when all the rest are gone most worthy sir replied the young secretary a little puzzled what to answer the others were mere daubs to that what then you saw them said the duchess his hands burned them replied the duke that strange man whom we met replied the duchess declared that he was faithful and true where all were false and deceitful and so he will be to us louis trust him my husband trust him i will replied the duke but here comes lomelini the duchess drew herself up cast off the tender kindliness of her look and assumed a cold and icy stateliness and the duke inclining his head to jean charost added leave us now my young friend this afternoon or evening i shall have need of you we will speak further so be not far off jean charost bowed and retired and turning to the maitre d'hôtel the duke said in a low voice set blaise or some one you can trust to watch that young man there have been high words between him and juvenel de royen see that nothing comes of it if you remark anything suspicious confine de royen to his chamber and set a guard does your highness mean de royen alone or both asked lomelini softly Doyen, answered the duke sharply the one in fault sir the one always in fault see my orders in train of execution and then return End of chapter twenty one